0: There's a Coen Brothers film It's older Called Fargo And It's a classic It's gruesome And it's based on a true story That took place in one of the Dakotas And the main character Is played by William H. Macy And he's just a harmless Minnesotan Who sells cars for his father-in-law And he's in financial trouble. And that financial trouble, especially because it's tied to his father-in-law, because his father-in-law employs him, um, is affecting his marriage. And so this harmless Minnesotan guy hires a couple guys to, uh, to kidnap his wife. But... Then, to, the ransom will be paid by his father-in-law, who has a lot more money, to uh, to the guys to get his daughter back. And then he will pay the guys, but also take some of the money, pay off his debts, etc. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I think that's the basic gist. And it's just a horrible plan, obviously. It all blows up in his face. And, you know, his intentions are... Can I use the word harmless? He just... Obviously, he's doing a bunch of wrong things, but he does not want anyone to get hurt. Everyone gets hurt. It all blows up. And... By the end of the movie, I mean, everyone dies. (laughs) And this little thing that he's done turns in... It metastasizes. Because that's what evil does. That's what sin does, unless it's cut out. And it's gradual... And it eventually ends up taking over every scene, his entire family, his entire life. And by the end, you have this scene where even the two guys that he hired, these seemingly sort of, I won't use the word harmless again, but these crooks that are just looking to make some bucks. One of them murders the other one with an ax and they're caught by the cops. And this lady, um, is the police officer that catches them, and she's they're sort of in, the, in a house out in the woods, and the the other guy that he had uh, the more heartless one that had ended up killing his his compatriot, he is caught by this cop with a wood chipper shoving something looks like a sort of baseball bat or piece of lumber two by four into the wood chipper turns out it's the it's his friends his former friend's femur he's just trying to get rid of the evidence and all the snow is red he's just shoved this guy's entire corpse through the the wood chipper sorry if that if that uh is too gruesome for you um if it is don't watch the movie it's it's pretty intense but man the point a powerful point is made that, uh, you know, sin may start small, but it metastasizes, and it quickly, it can quickly, quickly, quickly get out of hand. It's really a wonderful picture of our condition and of hell, what C.S. Lewis calls the great divorce between, the the greatest of all separations between heaven and hell are two and only two eternal destinations. You're either going to go to one place or the other, and sin and evil will metastasize in you to the point that you will be taken over by them and taken to the place that you deserve to go and that, it, and that i deserve to go if indeed there isn't an intervention and an excoriation a cutting out of that and a replacing of that with something new and sinless and pure and good and that's that's the gospel that's what jesus came to do for us so um fargo is just a great picture of that something that starts small but then ends up just destroying us and I bring that up because of um, a bit in the text that I think in in this text in Acts 19, we're going to look at verses 8 through 20, can get looked over, especially because it's trailed by. So the way that the text starts, verse 8, is Paul's just, uh, he's preaching, and he's teaching in this hall called the Hall of Tyrannus, which is probably a most classical, in that time, uh, classical lectures would finish their lectures before midday, around 11 a.m., and they would there the hall would be therefore free for rental which is probably what Paul did from about 11 scholars think based on actually uh, um, an ancient text um, from 11 to 4 every day so for 4 to 5 hours a day for 2 straight years he would lecture in this hall and he would preach the gospel teach about how Christ fulfills the scriptures teach on the kingdom of God uh, preach the gospel, proclaim it and he did that for 2 years in Ephesus in uh, southwest Turkey today and You know, Luke, the author of Acts, says that the result was that all of Asia heard the gospel. So over two years, Paul, faithfully for five hours a day, six days a week, is renting this hall and teaching. And he's in the morning probably working his trade to support himself as a tent maker. So he's working blue-collar work, very hard work, very sweaty work. And then in the afternoons, he's teaching. And all of Asia, through this patient, persistent, enduring effort, as he... Carefully delineates and and unpacks the Old Testament to show how Jesus indeed fulfills um, the scriptures and all of history, and is the point of it all. Uh, he reaches all of Asia. All of Asia has reached for the gospel. Wonderful. So that's verses 8, 9, and 10, but then after that you're, we're followed by these, what's the word? Uh, exceptional, not fantastic, but sort of gripping um, Episodes in verses eleven through twenty of if you read Acts at all, you're at least somewhat familiar with these because they stand out so much. Um, they're stark for sure uh, of these episodes of um, demon, of a demon running uh, seven sons of a high priest, a Jewish high priest. They're using the name of Jesus, but they are not saved. They don't they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. They don't really know they don't know Jesus. They're just using him. In his name to to try to um exercise demons try to cast a demon out of this this person and the demon uh says I know Paul and I know Jesus these names that you're using but I don't know you and now I'm going to trash you and the demon beats up strips naked and beats the hell out of these uh seven sons and runs them out of the house screaming and so that actually causes people hear about it and that causes people to that they, they understand this is this is no joke. This is no plaything. Jesus is our the master and God and our Messiah and Savior to be followed. Not not his name's not to be used just for our own purposes. Uh, and then the, and then that's followed by this this book. Oh, before that, sorry, it's like a triple. It's a it's a sort of a, a, a triumvirate. It's a trio of uh, of exceptional things that happen. The first thing after Paul teaching patiently for for two years is luke right after that says man basically the the headbands and the sweat rags that he was using probably f- during his tent making in the morning people would take and god was moving so powerfully through him in the name of jesus christ was going forth so powerfully through him in his ministry that people would take these rags that had just been on paul and they would take them places and they would, people would get healed just by touching them and Paul would be walking along, and his shadow would pass over someone, and they would get up and start a paralytic for instance, would be healed just by a shadow just by touching garments that had touched him, might very much similar to the, the ministry of Jesus when he was on the earth bodily, you know where so a lady touched the hem, the hem of his garment, and power went from him and and stopped her bleeding of twelve years and so Jesus in Paul is doing the same thing you know greater things than i than I am doing will you do and and his promises is bearing is is true here so that happens and then the seven sons of Skeva is what they're called get the hell beaten out of them by a demon by falsely using the name of jesus for their own purposes and then after that episode three um is luke kind of concludes this vignette by talking about the fact that man part of the response in in uh, ephesus and asia when people uh, see the power of jesus is that and they hear the gospel preached is that they um they burn about five million dollars today five million dollars worth of books magic books sorry <laughs> uh not like the nazi book burnings magic books books that um were tapping into the dark powers and the the uh the spiritual realm that's at war with with the lord and, and that's the other thing that's happening here i mentioned you know fargo and the slow the slow metastasizing of sin and evil uh, and how I can take us down and in will indeed if it's not cut out. Uh, but also the other thing that we see here that's starker, and I'll finish and I'll, by coming to kind of back to the Fargo thing, is that we see that clearly, clearly, there are two kingdoms at war here. Yes, you see it with the teaching of Paul, but you really see it with the miracles that are happening, people being delivered, and you see it with the, the, the demonic, uh, the, the demon just pouncing on these seven Cats and and stripping them naked and beating them up and driving them out of the house. you see it with the magic books they 're being burned this stuff 's real this stuff 's real it 's just as real today as it ever was it doesn 't go away just because we don 't believe in it nor anymore, just because we bow down, as my old professor used to say, at the cathedral of medicine, and we 've seen that more this year, maybe than any year in in our, in our lifetime. how we oh boy have we, and do we continue to bow down at the cathedral of medicine? Doctors have become our high priests now now medicine. Uh, And science are wonderful things given to us by God through human ingenuity, cultivating his creation. Uh, Science came about, actually, through Christianity and only arose in the West through the Judeo-Christian West. Uh, That's a whole different subject, but it's basically um, accepted among uh, historians of science now. So so I'm not dogging science or medicine, but but we, we pay no attention to God and the spiritual realm anymore. And so we're materialists now in the West. We believe yeah you know, that nothing is except what we can sense what we can see and hear and taste and touch and so um material is all there is and so if you can't pop a pill then uh, and fix it then it, it's unfixable etc but no that's false um this the 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 war that's being waged is real and Satan is subtle and we see that the power of darkness is arrayed against the power... The the, king, the kingdom of darkness is arrayed against the, the kingdom of light here. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. We see we see God say, look, when the serpent deceives our first parents, God says to the serpent, you're cursed, and I'm going to put hatred between you and the woman and between your your seed and her seed. And th- so basically what we see from that, a lot of things is that there are two lines that are going to shoot forth out of Genesis 3 um, and create sort of rails, genetic, not genetic, but rails, spiritual uh, rails for the rest of um, spiritual guideposts for the rest of humanity, for the rest of human history. There will be two races, if you want to call them that. Two kingdoms at war, two races on earth. Not, Not hundreds of races, two races. It's not about skin color. We're all descendants of Adam. We're all sons of God, with shattered images of Him that are shattered through our sin, but still, still there. We're still, still made in God's image, still precious to Him, and worth redeeming. Um, but there are sons of the serpent, and there are sons of um, the woman. Okay, and there are those who hate God, and there are those who. God has chosen who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And we see that shooting forth, those two rays shooting forth from Genesis 3 onward, and we see that here in... um, We see that here in, in Acts 19. And we see that the... The progeny of God are not those born of the flesh, but those born of the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. And but the uh, the demonic hosts are arrayed against him, and they they understand that the fight is real. And so I'm not I'm just going to make a few points about sort of the more exceptional, um, standout bits here that we see in this text where uh, people are getting healed left and right just through Paul's rags and his shadow. There's um there's a demonic just brawl going on that highlights um, the fact that we can't use Jesus, we follow him or don't. And then there's the burning of magic books. And um, what we see in all these things when we pair them with what I started with, which is Paul and his teaching ministry, his patient teaching ministry, and his articulation of the gospel by parsing and dividing and unpacking and unfolding the word patiently day to day. When we press all these things together, I think we see a full-orbed ministry of the gospel and that's something that you just don't find a lot and I want to bring us back to it and I want to highlight and I want to say let's go after this in prayer let's pray for this let's seek to embrace this in our lives and in the way that we share the gospel and teach and live Um, and that is that there's a word ministry there's a word ministry where um, there's teaching and there's proclaiming and there's sharing from the scriptures and there's the telling of the good news of the kingdom, uh, come in Jesus Christ that the new age is broken into this present darkness, and is indeed spreading, until God's glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea and Christ indeed is reigning and will return for us, and He will reign over all the nations. This is this is the teaching ministry um, that that we have that we have an opportunity for our sins to be. Forgiven, to be cleansed, to be made sons and daughters of God, not through our works, through the work of another, Jesus Christ, through faith in Him and what He's done and who He is. That's the gospel, and it's the word ministry, and we see that prominent. Although we can pass over it for two years, Paul's doing this, and what what's happening? All of Asia's, all of Asia's hearing the gospel, articulated and proclaimed. Now, from that, the more exceptional things that we tend to that tend to catch our eye um, are there's healing that's happening through through people that just come into contact with garments that Paul's touched. There's healing, which is a very real part of the gospel. There's, deli- there's, so there's physical healing. There's deliverance from demonic oppression If you, as we move to the sons of Sceva. Um, Christ came for that, too. We see that in his ministry. And that can be related to, but is distinct from physical healing. And, and the Bible delineates those two things. You know, it doesn't say that, hey, every time there's a physical problem it's because of a sin or it's because of demonic oppression. Sometimes it is. But both in the ministry of Jesus and here we see there's a delineation that's very sophisticated, extremely sophisticated. Sometimes it's just a physical problem. Sometimes you need a pill. Sometimes you need surgery. Sometimes there's a connection there. Sometimes there's there's disobedience that's happened, there's impurity, there's dem- sometimes there can be demonic oppression, sometimes there's emotional stuff, trauma. It's complicated. Um, and so there's there's the physical there's the spiritual there's the emotional and all those things are sort of assumed but they're not all bound together here in this really actually sophisticated text there's healing of all sorts so there's there's the word ministry super important and central there's there's healing happening supernatural healing through the power of Jesus there's deliverance from demonic oppression and um and then you know again with the book burning there's this recognition that the the spiritual world is real and it's and it's not it's not something to play around with you know there's a there's a well heck there are um fortune tellers everywhere there's one right outside of my neighborhood on hillcroft near west timer and she's right next to the you know the quickie mart or whatever um or the falafel shop or both but you know, she she may be a fraud, and in some sense maybe all or lots of those lots of those people are. But they're also tapped into something that's real and that's dark and that's dangerous and that will take you down to hell. Um, and that's part of what we see here in the magic book burning. You know, Ephesus was a locus for that sort of thing. And it's not something that's like, ah, magic books. That's not real. I'm just going to move on. No, they burn them. They realize they say goodbye to them. They realize, no, this is dangerous and it's wrong and it's taking us to the, a wrong place. We are made with spirits um, and we, no matter how much we're told that there is no such thing and that everything's material, we know that that's not true. And even if we know that that's not true, the spiritual world being real um, has an effect on us. And so we see that here too. And um, you know, it's not just the the palm reader. It's not just the fortune teller that's tapping into something real and dark and satanic. It's, it's the strip clubs. Those also dot West Timer in Richmond, where I live. Um, it's also the materialism. That's idol worship. That's worshiping stuff instead of the living God. It's also religion. It's also religiosity and moralism and thinking we can behave in a certain way that will, that will uh, gain us favor with God, that will curry us his approval. Not true. Not true. The gospel shatters that. The gospel says, you can't come up to me. I must therefore come down. It's the only way for me to live the life that you should live and die the death that you deserve. It's the only way that you can be saved. That's the gospel. Um, it blows up behaviorism, materialism, moralism. Um, which is which is darkness, which is a false gospel, which is every bit as hellish and sometimes a lot more sneaky than fortune telling or or strip clubs, um, pornography, adultery, envy, greed, pride all these things are pathways to hell, and Jesus has come to deliver us from these things into the kingdom of his love, so we see all that. And more mixed in here, um, these two kingdoms. But as I said, I just want to return to the um, the Fargo, the Fargo thing. And what it is is it's a gradual hardening that happens here, as Paul's teaching, and we'll zero in on the text in a second. It's Acts 19, verses 8 through 10, just at the start of this larger text that we've taken this morning. But um, at the beginning of sort of all these more exceptional, um, standout, you know, darkness cult clashing with the kingdom of light stuff that, that follows Paul's teaching in the Hall of Tyrannus, we see, we see something happen here. It's a dynamic that I think really hits home with us, where we are in our culture and, um, so I wanted to focus in on it this morning for the next few minutes. And I just, it's a gradual hardening. It's a, uh, again, think, think Fargo, think a guy that, that just hires a couple guys to get some money back from his father-in-law to pay off some debts, but it ends up everything, everybody ends up dying. And there's a femur that ends up being shoved through a, a wood chipper by the end. And it's just, it's just a, an absolute, um, uh, disaster. This can happen and usually does happen one step at a time and it ends up snowballing and that's what that's what happens here in this text um, it's it's the reaction that the Jews have to Paul's sustained gospel proclamation in the synagogue week after week as he comes to Ephesus he he always would go to the synagogue first but at this point it's a sort of breaking point for Paul it's a decisive pivot point where he goes you know what I've I've come and I've shared the gospel with you first everywhere I've gone I come to the synagogues first but by and large, you—not all, not all, some come to faith in Christ, but by and large, you continue to reject your Messiah, who is a Jew, who came through you to bless the world and indeed to cause you as the Jews, as God's chosen people, to be a blessing to the nations. But you continue to reject him, and so I'm rejecting you, and I'm moving on from you to the Gentiles who are receptive. And, and what we see is— um, it's it's a it's a gradual hardening. It's a small and a slow thing that ends up taking taking them over and taking them down to hell. Every bit as much as again any um any demon will, any fortune teller, any magic book um and the ESV let me just read these verses. It says Paul, and so this is Acts nineteen eight, and he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly and reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some, this is verse nine, but when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. So Paul withdraws from them. Three things are happening there in the Jewish response. The first thing is that it says, when, but when some... But when some became stubborn, that's the ESV translation, but when some became stubborn. Notice that it doesn't say, but they were stubborn. It says when some became stubborn. And that word stubborn is, um, it's the verb that we get, it means to harden. And it's the verb that we get our English word sclerosis from, which also you hear about um, arterial sclerosis, the hardening of the arteries, which can cause a heart attack. Uh, it's a medical term that comes from this Greek word that Paul uses here, or that Luke uses about, about um people's reaction, the Jewish reaction to to Paul's message of the gospel. So it literally it literally reads, but when some became hard. Do you know notice there that, that they respect the ESV is respecting the um, the voice of the um, of the verb there? The meaning is to become hard, or they translate it to become stubborn. But the the voice is, it's passive or middle. It's both. And so they weren't hard. They became hard. Um, Paul preached to them for three weeks straight, giving them chance after chance to hear evidence for the gospel from their own holy books from the Old Testament. They weren't hard day one, but they became hard. Over time, disbelieving over and over again, rejecting the gospel and the Messiah over and over, go, over again, they became hard. It's like a one-verse sort of compression of the process that Pharaoh goes through when he refuses to let the Hebrews go and it it's this dance between he hardens his own heart and his own heart is hardened and then God hardens his heart it's this process and it's the way that things that this happens in our lives and you know it's it's not just middle it's not that they just they become hard they do but it's also a passive Verb, like I said, and so passive is that the subject is receiving the action. So, like John got punched. Active would be John punched, but getting punched would be you're a passive. You're receiving the action. So here, we we could not just translate they became stubborn or they became hard, but also we could we could accurately translate it they were hardened. That's passive, and not just middle. They became hardened, or stubborn, but also they were hardened. By whom? By God. But it's this, he's respecting their decision as well as being sovereign over it. He works with um, our will and respects our responsibility before him. And they are given the truth of the gospel. And week after week they choose, and day after day they choose to disbelieve it. And so they become hardened, but also they are hardened. And I think that what it underscores is just that it's dangerous over and over again to reject the gospel. And so as we also, I mean, of course, for ourselves to believe the gospel with our lives, to press into it through study of God's word, through being in Christian community, through proclaiming it, through living it in obedience through casting ourselves upon Christ fully, through repenting of our sins every day uh, with him and also with those that we trust in community so that we might be healed. But also just as we share the gospel, having that be a note in our sharing is that it's dangerous. It's not just no thing for our neighbors and friends and coworkers and those that we encounter that we share the gospel with to continue to disbelieve in Christ. It's, it's, it's presuming a lot. Because we are either headed to heaven or to hell. We are either headed to eternal bliss and to being with God forever, where everything sad is going to become untrue, or we are headed to a place that's going to make this seem like fairyland. Forever. And there won't be any turning back. There won't be a second chance. There will be gnashing of teeth and utter darkness and torment. And that happens bit by bit, and we become hardened as we continue to reject the truth. So we need to put that out in front of people and let them be fully aware of that. The second thing that happens, the second thing that's said here is that they continued in disbelief. Um, and, and that verb there really means to disobey. They continued to disobey. And, and the ESV chooses disbelief because to disbelieve the gospel is to disobey God. Because the obedience that God requires is what? is is the obedience of faith to believe on jesus that you god what you are the obedience you require is to believe that you have provided a way for us to know you and to be forgiven and to be made your children and that's through jesus you sent him and when we reject him we are disobeying god we're disobeying god um and it's not through what we can do it's through what he has done And that's the obedience that we're called to is to believe on that. And to disbelieve that word and that generous gift is to is to pay the ultimate disrespect to the living God, if indeed the gospel is true, if indeed He has given Himself and His own precious Son for us to save us at infinite cost to Himself, to reject that is to slap God in the face. And we we kind of see that here. They continued in disbelief. It's sort of the second step. They became hardened. They were hardened. They continued in disbelief, and what the third thing that happens is or they continued, you know, in disobedience to translate it more literally, and then the third thing that happens is um, they start to speak evil. They just start to slander and speak evil of the word that Paul is delivering of the gospel of Christ himself and of what God has done in Christ. And so you see that process from bad to worse of slowly you reject it one day, then one day turns into two days, and then a week, and then two weeks, and then two years, and then a lifetime, and, and you are hard, and there is no turning back. You, you've had heart, you've had heart hardening, you've had sclerosis, and you continue in this path of, path of disbelief, and then you just start to speak evil about the best thing that God has ever done for you and for the world. See, so we see that process, and uh, it's terrifying, but it's real, and it's it's what can happen and it needs to be a warning for us and for those that we share with and um, so that's why I started with Fargo because something that seems so innocuous can be so insidious and I, and, and I, I guess I end with this and highlight it therefore um, over and above the demons and the magic book burning and the amazing healings that are happening through people touching Paul's um, you know neck scarf and and uh, sweat rags, because uh, it's so dangerous and it's so prevalent in our society now. We think it's a casual thing to reject the gospel, um, to sit on our couches, to go to Sunday brunch, to say that I'm 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 not spiritual or I, or or uh, I'm a materialist or I'm a secular humanist. I'm I'm an atheist or I'm. Um, I'm just going to do my own thing. I don't believe God exists or if he does, I'm sure he wants us all to be happy or to um Yeah, I'm spiritually neutral like just let people believe what they want to believe. Like all this is we're hardening. We're hardening as a culture. And so to this is a wake-up call. Um let's repent and recognize that a war is indeed raging for the hearts and minds of men and women and children. And suit up with all the armor of God, Ephesians 6, and wage war, knowing that the battle is spiritual, but it is the Lord's. Um, so let's let's be in prayer for our own hearts and for the hearts of those that we share the gospel with in word and deed this week. Also remembering to ask the Lord for and to encourage each other in and to look to the scriptures um, for this model, but here it's presented to us for a full-orbed uh, gospel ministry of Teaching out of the Word, proclaiming Christ and His kingdom and the gospel and the good news from the Word, um, patiently, perseveringly, persistently. We cannot we we cannot uh, we cannot minimize the massive impact that can have over time, as we see here in this text. But also pairing that with Praying for healing, believing in physical healing, spiritual healing, deliverance from the demonic, um, emotional healing, realizing the magic book burning, realizing that the spiritual world is real, that the fight is on, that it's for keeps, and that we are either headed to heaven or hell, to eternal bliss or eternal torment. Um, And that's what Christ came to take for us and deliver us from, so that we might be his children. So, keeping these things in mind from this text this week, God bless you.